This week's topic is what your lawyer wants you to do after an accident. Stay tuned. You're listening to Water Flying, a weekly podcast to bring you all things seaplanes. I'm Steve McCoy, the Executive Director of the Seaplane Pilots Association. And I'm Abby Kellett, Assistant to the Executive Director at the Seaplane Pilots Association, and I'm also a flight instructor in seaplanes. The Seaplane Pilots Association is committed to protecting and promoting water flying. We achieve this by working to maintain and expand waterway access. We promote seaplane safety, create educational programs, produce the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and we create exciting seaplane events. We want to continue to improve this podcast, and we encourage your feedback. Feel free to reach out to us if there is anything you would like to hear in future episodes. So thanks for listening. Let's jump right in. Hey, welcome back to Water Flying. Today we are joined once again by our good friend, Ed Page, who is a renowned aviation lawyer and flight instructor and someone I personally call on when I have to answer questions for the FAA. So Ed, thanks so much for joining us once again. Happy to be here and uh, good to be chatting with uh, both of you. So we have a great topic today, which is what uh, your lawyer wants you to do after an accident. But uh, on a previous episode, we covered the NASA forms, and that was episode 14, season two. So before we dive into today's topic, Ed, I think you have some new information for us on the NASA form program. I do. So this was a program that was initiated back in... Uh, the 1980s, and just to re-summarize it, it permits uh, pilot, air traffic controllers, flight attendants, mechanics, and now the newest development, drone operators, to report aviation incidents, occurrences, accidents, or mishaps, and the like, uh, to the NASA so that NASA can use the information in the reports to build safety programs and the great benefit for the pilot or air traffic controller, flight attendant, mechanic, and the like is that filing a NASA report timely, generally within 10 days of the incident or within a certain time frame after learning that the FAA is interested in this incident or occurrence, the filing of the NASA report inoculates the uh, you, the airman, from the FAA imposing a sanction like a revocation or a suspension of your pilot certificate. Wow, that's great! I know. So it's a it's a great it's a great thing. I've been uh, kind of surfing uh, YouTube lately, and I can't believe how many videos we're seeing on either I got violated flying a drone or I was handed a pretty heavy FAA fine uh, for flying drones or a fine for flying drones. So uh, this is a, a really significant development, I think, with the NASA form program. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's its basis, its goal is to increase safety. Uh, and it does that by encouraging you to report so that they can develop safety programs and education and the like. And the trade-off is that you're inoculated from, a, as I said, a certificate action or a 
suspension or revocation of your pilot certificate. It does not inoculate you, though, from an inquiry, an investigation, or the imposition of a civil monetary penalty. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about NASA reports, we encourage you at season two, episode 14, and just some really good information on there. I know Steve and I learned quite a bit during that conversation with Ed. And we were telling Ed, uh, as we were doing a little pre-show conversation here, that uh, since that episode, I have filed my first NASA form. So uh, I I drunk the Kool-Aid. It's just a great tool. Just a great tool. So this week's conversation, it's a little bit more serious. I guess NASA reports were pretty serious. Yes. But but it's something we definitely need to address, especially as seaplane pilots and you know, let's just keep everybody safe. That's something that we're really promoting here at the Seaplane Pilots Association. So our topic today, what to do after a seaplane accident. So our theoretical scenario is one that we really hope no one ever has to experience, but it does happen. A gear down water landing resulting in a capsized seaplane. So Ed, it seems kind of obvious, but what's my first action need to be in this scenario? Well, let me say at the outset, I'm happy to be here and happy to talk about this. And I do practice a good bit of aviation law here at Carlton Fields in its Tampa office. And I'm happy to speak with pilots and the others who might have questions about this going forward. But I need to make it plain that I'm not uh, a um, lawyer for the audience here. I'm not a lawyer for the individuals listening to this. There's no lawyer-client relationship. What I'm doing is hoping that you'll learn from the experience that I've had over 21 years representing pilots who landed gear down in the water and capsized or who had other uh, unfortunate incidents occur uh, while operating their seaplanes or other aircraft. So again, I'm not their lawyer, but what I can suggest uh, are experiential kind of uh, wisdom and the like about what you should do when you're involved in one of these. So what do you do if you're involved? What's the first thing you would do? And the first thing to do is to remain in the status quo. Remember, we always talk about um, fight or flight but it's really a misnomer. We don't do uh, fight or flight. The normal thing, and we have to keep this in our memories at all times, even as pilots, this is from the animal kingdom, you know, uh, and we do it too. We freeze. Right. <laughs> That's yes, the we first do. thing we do. We freeze. We don't fight. We don't flight. We freeze and study the situation, and that's what you need to do. You need to freeze and maintain the status quo, not talking to anybody until you figure out what your next move is, if you have suffered one of these incidents. Mm -hmm. And our incident today, our hypothetical, is the gear down water landing, um, because Uh, The reason you want to maintain the status quo is because you need to assess, all right, and assess what the problem is and the audiences, as I call them, that you're going to be interacting with. And there are several. You're going to be interacting with the NTSB, perhaps, and reporting this incident to the NTSB. You might, to circle back to what we talked with at the outset, 
be making a NASA report and submitting something in writing to NASA. You would be verbally speaking with NTSB and perhaps making a written submission to NTSB. The NTSB, depending on their level of interest in it and the significance of the gear down water landing, might communicate with the FAA, who might call you and say, we want to do some fact-finding. We have a form to fill out and complete regarding this aviation incident. And then finally, if uh, depending on what happened in the incident with the gear down water landing, you might be calling your uh, insurance company, maybe your broker first who b- sold you the insurance policy, and then maybe a representative with your insurance company to start the claims process. And then finally, later on, you might be speaking with uh, a plaintiff's lawyer if there were any injuries in the aircraft incident, the gear down water lane. So we have, as I like to put it, many different audiences, starting from your wife, your best friend that (laughs) you might talk with, your pilot colleague, the NASA, NTSB, FAA, insurance company, plaintiff's lawyer. And bystanders, by the way, which can get subpoenaed. Exactly. So all these and the people that you talk to, you see, are potential witnesses, not just to what they saw, but to what they heard you say. Yes. And so that's why I like to say freeze before fight or flight. It's freeze. So maintain the status quo. And there's really a good reason for that. And this is not to keep, you know, and to be be an interesting witness and figure out what you're going to say and maybe not say and all that. Really, the primary reason here is because there are two things going on that I've seen in 21 years of defending, helping pilots, as I call it, keep flying after an incident. Number one, you're just not thinking right for at least three days or 72 hours and probably a lot longer. And how do I know this? Because I start to ask my pilot clients, hey, are you over it yet at about (laughs) three days? And you know what I get? I'm not there yet, Ed. And, And I say, how do you know? Well, I'm getting up in the middle of the night, and I'm thinking about this. When I get up in the middle of the night, I can't go to sleep. First thing I think about when I wake up is this incident. It's just on my mind and bothering me. I can't believe it happened to me. Yeah. And so I know that their thinking, you see, is not right. And so if your thinking's not right, your speaking is not right, and it's not the time to be making statements to folks, okay, until you calm down and get your senses and and do one other thing, and that is get a lawyer, okay, who can help you start thinking through the issues and provide some legal comfort to you about your incident, the problem that has, you know, arisen. So to sum up, you're not thinking, so don't be speaking um, until you you know, have let some uh, time pass. Okay. Sure. And that was one of my questions. But my thing is, you know, you don't want to wait so long. You know, certainly you want that mental clarity. Give yourself that 72 hours, however long you need. But how long until you start 
losing not the memory of it, but you start losing details that might be important later. Like, is it recommended you write something down immediately after and you don't speak to anybody? Like, in some way, maybe recount your thoughts privately? Yeah, I, I hear you, Abby, and my, my suggestion is you can, you can jot some notes down, uh, but you have to realize that even those notes uh, could be, you know, subpoenaed if right. there's litigation. The FAA is not going to ask for them. The NTSB is not. Your insurance company is probably not. But uh, the a, a plaintiff's lawyer might. But so you have to make the notes, you know, sufficient to jog your memory. But honestly, you know, Steve, that well, that incident you filed a NASA report about instantly in uh, recently. Do you need any notes to remember when it happened? No, I know happened? exactly what happened on it. So, uh, you know, I was flying into uh, Orlando's airspace and looked down and the transponder wasn't on. And so I just needed to reset it and put it on. But I was well within the 30 mile veil of the airspace and I'd come out of Tavares. The the transponder comes on automatically uh, when I when I, you know, turn on the uh, radios and it wasn't on. And so um, I just reset it. So to that point, you might write down, Abby, time, date, and place, which are innocuous but maybe helpful facts, mm-hmm. you know, um, to jog your memory. But the substance of that will probably remain with you, the feeling, you know, right. about what happened and the like. So, um, again, this is, this is not really to shape what you're going to say or not say. Uh, but this re- maintaining the status quo is important until you have your head back on and until you've been able to reach out to a competent and trained aviation lawyer, not a lawyer that your golf buddy recommends who, uh, <laughs> you know, went on a went flying or took a flying lesson a couple of weeks ago. Right. You know, you need somebody who does this for a living, who understands that you have multiple audiences from NASA, NTSB, FAA, insurance, plaintiff lawyers, and others. So where do we find that lawyer? Because I know there's some programs out there that are available. You're going to hear me go back, and uh, we mentioned this at the NASA podcast on April 7th uh, this past spring, and that is AOPA has a legal services panel comprised of uh, skilled and practiced and experienced aviation lawyers that um, you have access to if you join the AOPA's legal services plan. And for me, the best uh, information there and encouragement to join this and pay their nominal membership fees is that I'm a member. As an aviation lawyer doing enforcement work for 21 years, I maintain my membership in the AOPA legal services plan at the plus level because I know my time is coming, perhaps. I hope to avoid it, but as Steve's just experienced with the transponder going into Bravo Airspace uh, around Orlando demonstrates, things happen. So you need that protection. And if you want to be able to pick up the phone and have instant access Because AOPA, you see, has lawyers there that can talk with you right away, Mm -hmm. or they'll give you some names. And so that's what you want to hold. You want to hold your powder until you can connect with a lawyer who can calm you down, define the legal issues for you, 
interview you about the facts and start to provide some comfort because most of us, when we're involved in those, are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my license. I'm going to do this or that. And one thing we didn't talk about is there's a tremendous disappointment that I hear in pilots' voices when they realize they've made a mistake. Right. Okay. It's not only the incident or the accident that they were involved in and being upset about that. It's a, it's a, it's a ego. It's a feeling like a that personal I, aff- I violated, I violated the code, so to speak, right. you know, that I will always be a good pilot and fly without an incident. How did this happen to me? Right. How did this happen What's to that? me? How did this happen How to me? How did this happen to me? Yeah, maybe we want to put it that way, but it's a deep, uh, it's like, it's like if anybody ever has accused you of uh, an ethical breach, we're very sensitive. This ethical button in all of us, you <laughs> yes. see, is very sensitive. It's it's a hair trigger, and this is what happens to pilots. And so, as soon as they hear this, they're they're just they don't have their head on right. Yeah, okay? yeah. And I want to really stress: we're not uh, getting a kickback from AOPA for the Legal Services Program or it's anything. It's just a good else. program. It's, I don't think there could be a better advocate than Ed Page, an aviation yeah. lawyer, telling you to join AOPA's legal program. So we'll put excellent. a link for it in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. But again, we we enjoy working with AOPA. We've got a great re- uh, relationship with them. I hope that all of our listeners are also members. But again, this is, you know we're not giving them a. A plug because we're getting some kind of uh, kickback. It's really because this is the best way to stay protected. You need an aviation lawyer that's going to be able to address these kind of issues. And quite honestly, Ed can talk about the the rates of the program versus what lawyer rates are for the same amount of hours that you're going to get out of the program. And and it's just a, a tremendous value. So, especially in this in this incident kind of situation where you're grasping at straws you probably never had an accident never had a or an incident probably never had an opportunity or need to interact with an aviation lawyer before you start talking with nasa ntsb the faa and others and you you hope that it never has to happen but you know like you said it happens it happens you know for whatever reason you know inaccurate use of checklists malfunction just error whatever happened and so just keep yourself safe be proactive about it and so ed you know we're both cfis what about you know more specifically flight instructors like what can they do to keep themselves protected if an incident like this happened like to them with a student on board a gear down water landing you're the cfi you're in the right seat you might be in the left seat who knows Mm -hmm. uh but the thing to remember is that you uh, need the AOPA protection uh, as much as, if not more than yes. others, because you're held, the CFI is held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. The FAA's scrutiny of you is going to be a little more exacting or perhaps a little more intense uh, because you're the PIC at all times, you know, when you mm-hmm. got the instructor hat on and the student is there with you. And if there's a gear down water landing, that's going to cause the FAA to scrutinize. How did you let that happen? You know, while you were PIC and and instructing. 
So you really need that protection. And even though you're a CFI, you may have more hours than your students. You may have been instructing hundreds of hours and be really experienced. You might have the right stuff. You might be Chuck Yeager's chromosomal descendant. (laughs) You're still going to have and be upset, okay, after a gear down landing. You're going to be doing the same two things, Mm -hmm. going, how did this happen to me? And you're going to be, you know, have you ever listened to that Elvis Presley song? I'm all shook up. <laughs> You're going to be all yeah. shook up. Yeah. Okay. I Trust me. I see this over and over and over. It just pulls at my heartstrings when I listen to these pilots just anguish over this. It's, it's really uh, amazing what happens. So the CFI needs to be galvanized, uh, you know, and prepared for these because, you know, we're, the CFI is at risk. In, in teaching at all times. So if a pilot has an incident, you know, there has to be the first call or there has to be an order of the call. Do you, who do you, in your opinion, who do you notify first and, and what's the logical order that you notify these people or, or reach out to these people, be it the FAA, your insurance company, uh, the, you know, your lawyer, <laughs> your AOPA legal services program person, um, what's the order? Okay, here's my suggested order. First of all, before I give you the order, and again, remember, I'm not giving legal advice. I don't Correct. know what the facts are in your case. Right. Okay, the, the police may already be at the scene of the accident if you've landed on I-4 just north of Winter Haven and you're in the median. <laughs> don't so give us that scenario. My, we don't want it. Who am I going to tell you to interact <laughs> with first? I'm going to say the police. Right. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to tell you You need to be a minimalist. However, if you land in the jungle, okay, and, you know, or the woods in Florida, you might have to interact with somebody different. It might be a sheriff's office. It might be a farmer. It might be. So you see, this is more than just legal, you know, mumbo jumbo Mm -hmm. about not being able to give you precise answers for your situation. But generally speaking, here's the here's the order reminding yourself that you're going to be a minimalist. What is a minimalist? A minimalist gives the basic facts. Right. And the first call you're going to make is to whom? No, it's not what you expect. It's to your significant other, your husband, wife, or significant other. And you're going to say, honey, I'm okay. All right. I've had a problem. And, and you're being a minimalist even with your significant other, and that's the end of that call. I'll be back with you when the dust clears in a little bit. I'm Boom. okay. Second call, unless I'm interacting with law enforcement, the FAA that's already on the scene, um, could be TSA, you know, depending on the fact pattern. I'm, I could be at an airport, and my plane taxied away, and the propeller chewed into the tail, fuse, tail empennage of a very nice, expensive Pilatus nearby. Oh. Think it think it sounds like it happened before, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So it all depends. But generally, the second call really, honestly, once you tell your significant other in a minimalist fashion, needs to be to an aviation lawyer to say, okay, help me. I, I heard some stuff on a podcast a while ago that SBA put out, but now I'm in re- real life. What right. do I do? Okay. Yeah. And the lawyer's going to say, here's what you need to do. You need to maintain the status quo and freeze before we do fight or flight. Don't be starting to fight with law enforcement, cops, FAA, NTSB, 
the other person in the accident. Okay, if you taxied into somebody, no, 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 we we do not do airplane rage. Okay, <laughs> it's true. We do not do airplane rage. Notice the recent spike in since post COVID and in cabin. Oh, it's been horrific. Yeah, it's been reported. It's a, unbelievable. Yeah, what is going that recent on? One? I have no idea, but we, <sighs> yeah. So in any event, significant other, aviation lawyer, mm-hmm. the aviation lawyer will guide you after that. It could be after that that we're going to interact with the NASA, NTSB, but most likely it's probably going to be the FAA is going to give you a call and they're going to say, we need, give me the basic, you know, scenario of what happened. And then they're going to come want to see the plane, um, you know, could be upside down in the water in our gear down water landing, or they could be wanting to see it, you know, as it's on the beach after it's been, you know, re- removed to a, from, um, you know, the water. Sure. So that's another opportunity, you know, for the FAA lawyer, or I'm sorry, the, your, your aviation lawyer to guide you about what you might say or um, to the FAA. My rule is I name, date of birth, social, driver's license, pilot certificates, CFI certificate, and your medical certificate. I'm not prepared to say anything else right now. A lot of people go, oh, my gosh, the FAA is going to be upset. And they might be. But they're going to be more upset if you give some inaccurate information without thinking about really what happened why it happened and the like, because the FAA is really interested in doing good fact finding, not having you make some statements that right after your accident, when you're upset, you're not thinking and you haven't really drilled into, you know, the incident and the facts and circumstances. So they're okay with that. And you can say, look, I don't prefer not to talk right now while I'm in a shut up state state of yeah. mind and i'm quote all shook up yeah right. yeah okay so i think that uh, answers i'm not trying to hide anything i'm not trying to hide anything i'm not trying to do anything interesting i just want you know give me a couple of days sure sure so i think that answers probably the next question on our list was what do i not want to say to the faa the authorities or other people and essentially you don't want to say very much you just want to collect your thoughts i don't know what happened we're going to we're going to have to figure this out. Provide uh, your documentation, yep. you know, like everything Ed said, and just give yourself a little bit of time. I like that, the freeze. You know, call your lawyer, get some. I like legal comfort. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem <laughs> like two blanket. things that come together, but it, it makes sense. You know, the legal comfort, have someone that can guide you through this event that, you know, you may have never been involved in before. And so certainly, you know, yeah. taking that time. And we sort of mentioned it before, the consequences. So you said people are are worried, you know, they don't know if they're going to lose their license, you know, what's going to happen, is anyone going to come after me? So what are some of the consequences that we could see a gear down water landing? Obviously, it's all situational specific. Yeah. Well, um, there are several, but when we say consequences, we we tend to look at them all bad, and some are actually good. So one consequence is you make a NASA report and you talk with the FAA and the FAA says, hey, look, you know, the gear was supposed to be up. All right. Not down when you did your water land. <laughs> and that suggests to us that you might need a um, another check ride or it could even be in the plane or it could be, as I call them, desk 
D-E-S-K, I mean, I sit across the desk from the FAA inspector and do a desk check ride about how I'm going to avoid that happening again. Because, look, I escaped. I survived. Um, my plane was upside down or whatever. And maybe I suffered no injuries. And, and I was really fortunate I had no passengers. So some of the consequences can be a desk check ride, uh, what's called a 44709 under the um, title 49 where they get to re-examine because your qualifications or competency have been brought into question remember that little ethical and regulatory button that we all have we don't <laughs> yeah. like to be accused or suspected of that but we are human and these kind of things happen all the time we just aren't built to be perfect okay right. so the other thing that can happen though is that um you might need to make an insurance claim for damage. Uh, you can, the FAA might want to interview you and and ask you some hard questions about why the gear was down. Well, you might, who knows where that's going to lead? You know, was it inadequate hydraulic pressure? Was the was the lever that put the gear down, you know, compromised, or did I fail to go through the checklist, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you recommend, so, you know, telling the truth, obviously, you know, if it was lack of adequate checklist usage, you know, tell tell what actually happened. Maybe don't word vomit and say everything that you've ever done wrong in life. Uh-oh, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, so obviously this, good judgment here. Yeah, it's a it's a it's this this is loaded with judgment, judgment. But mm-hmm. um, a couple of things that need to be considered are number one. Since September of 2015, when Administrator Huerta um, enacted and signed an order starting the FAA Compliance Philosophy or Compliance Action Program, the FAA has become a kinder and gentler place to Mm -hmm. deal with regarding FAA violations and pilot deviations in particular. And that is because The FAA is interested in getting that true and accurate information, not so much anymore so that they can uh, penalize you or take your certificate or take your medical or suspend or revoke it, but to help you help yourself fix what is called the root cause. Why was the gear left down in the water landing on floats or in a lake amphibian? Why was that and how can we eliminate it going forward? So only through, you know, truthful disclosure with the FAA can that come out and be, and so to speak, surfaced so that we can address what happened. And of course, that's, that's the FAA audience. Remember my analogy to your, you have several audiences Mm -hmm. to be mindful here of. So, if those facts come out to the FAA, uh, which which might help you in a enforcement action, it might not be so helpful. You see, uh, if there are injuries in your uh, situation, and a lawyer is going to make a demand or file a lawsuit against you because his client, one of your passengers, maybe the student pilot or somebody else, who knows, was injured in in the incident. So that's why, again, I can't give you 
one-size-fits-all legal advice here. This needs to be tailored by your own individual lawyer about what you might say to the FAA, because that statement to the FAA is likely discoverable if there was a case to be filed by your passenger for his in his or her injuries. And so you see, if I'm if I'm trying to serve two masters or two audiences at one time, it's always more difficult, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so when I'm talking to the FAA, what I say to them might be used against me uh, in, in another context by another person. Sure. So good judgment. Like you said, you know, the first one of the first calls you make after you call your wife, your husband, call your aviation lawyer. So excellent, excellent yes. advice. So and, you yeah, know, make- see, my 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 advice, uh, Abby, has been um, generated by years of uh, my wife saying, tell me when you've landed. Okay. <laughs> Of course. I think I I remember my mom saying that, you know, coming back from my training. So that's, that's good advice. It's always nice to have eyes and just know everybody's okay. I'm okay, mom. Okay, Mary. Just remember, as my good friend Cliff Main taught me, a happy wife means a happy life. I like that. So make sure that her seat is well padded and well taken care of in the airplane, uh, which may be the pilot seat. (laughs) So, but uh, um, yeah, you know, I know that I'm very conscious of that. My Mary's always watching me on ADSB now. She used to watch me on my Garmin inReach and she would always make sure I had my Garmin inReach on. And even when we're driving to AirVenture, I've got an inReach on the dashboard of the truck. So she you know, knows, hey, slow down. You're going too fast. I can see how fast you're going on the interstate. So um, and and I'll, I'll give you a real example of what happened with uh, one of, my, you know, I had an incident about 30 years ago. Uh, a land incident, but I was living at at home at the time with my parents. I was very young, and I was in a, a airplane off airport landing um, with two brothers. And so, when the sheriff's office contacted my parents, uh, they said, "You know, your sons are okay. We we your sons are okay, uh, but we need you to come uh, to the airport." Uh, which was quite a distance away um, to, to, you know, uh, meet them at the hospital. And uh, they were like, they knew I was flying with two brothers, but that's all they got. And so they didn't know what my status was for another hour and a half until they arrived at the hospital to find out what my status was. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, here, if I can interject this, I think the people will enjoy this. So, Back in the 70s, my brother, Bill Page, is a very accomplished pilot, lives in California. He was taking a, a, a Piper Arrow from San Diego over to, I think, someplace in Arizona. And he had as his passenger someone who had never flown with him before, another physician. So they take off in this Piper Arrow. They're in the soup, and he retracts the gear. And the mechanic apparently had put a drain plug in that was not for this particular engine. It was a little too long. When the gear retracted, the oil plug came out, and so did the oil. The engine stopped. Wow. Bill came out of the soup, looked around, and saw a golf course. Landed successfully, no injuries, no nothing. 
The next day, we're in Clearwater. I'm growing up. This is in the 70s. My parents go outside, get the Clearwater Sun newspaper. On the front page is my brother hugging his wife and young child with the airplane in the background on the golf course. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So if you want to take time, it could be good to extend that notice, not only to your wife, but to other other loved ones. Yes. In in your circle, you know, but, but one of the first things has to be to a lawyer who can settle you down, you know, and get your head back on and tell you, don't be, you know, freeze is the first move, not fight or flight. Sure. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. So, you know, contact an aviation lawyer and the FAA is not the boogeyman. I know we talked about that with you when we talked about the NASA reports last ed, but um, just, just great advice. So appreciate having you on. Yeah, absolutely. Ed, it's always a pleasure to have you on and to learn from your immense wisdom uh, in this <laughs> on on topics such as this. Uh, I enjoy doing our workshops and forums and stuff that we do together on occasion, and I'm looking forward to doing more. And I tell you, every time we talk, I pick up a nugget of knowledge, and uh, I really appreciate that. So, um, Well, thank you. And uh, if I have one minute, I'd like to give a plug for this idea, and that is Contacting the lawyer is really important, honestly. A lot of people don't want to do that, but a good lawyer worth their salt, okay, is going to interview you real quickly and is going to come up with two columns. One column is what I call bad facts, and one column is called good facts. And we're going to scrutinize, that lawyer is going to scrutinize both the bad and the good and try to find out why was the gear down in that water landing? You may be thinking that you failed to put it or that you left it down. But, you know, uh, we have to scrutinize this. That that gear down water landing may have occurred just after an annual inspection, just after mechanical work. It could be in something more interesting than just pilot error that caused the deviation, you see. And so by scrutinizing the bad facts, we're going to find out, is it really a bad fact or is it a good fact? Yeah, maybe there was a micro switch failure or something like that that kept it from, uh, uh, you know, retracting the way it should. Um, So, yeah, I think that's really important. And uh, so the big takeaway called number one, what does your lawyer want you to do in case of an incident such as a gear down water landing or any other incident that you have in an airplane that would be characterized as an accident. Number one, call your loved ones. And number two, call your lawyer and uh, definitely consider becoming a member of the AOPA legal services program because you're going to get way more than you pay for uh, out of that program if you need it. So uh, Ed, again, um, I really appreciate it. I hope this has been informative to our listeners. We look forward to your feedback and notes on this, because if you have further questions for Ed, uh, we will make sure that we do a future episode with your questions. So uh, we'll try to drag Ed on one more time uh, to answer your questions, because these are all really designed to give you uh, the information you need in dealing with difficult times. So uh, Ed, until next time, uh, God, we appreciate having you come on. It's always a pleasure and um, clear skies and blue waters. Stay safe, my friends. Thanks so much. 
We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.